Hey there, welcome to The Third Seat. This is the show where we bring open and honest conversations with experts who have a unique perspective to share, and then we bring these conversations straight to you. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I'm your host for today, and I'm with Croft and Frost. As always, all links as well as relative information will be in the description of today's episode down below. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. Now pull up a seat and let's get into the conversation. It is uh, a great pleasure of mine and an honor today to be sitting across from my guest here. Uh, he is someone who I've gotten the pleasure to know over the past year or so, and he has many, many titles that I could give him, mm-hmm. and many, many titles I'm sure he's been given by other people. Uh, but he is someone who I really look up to a lot. I think he, he works and lives in a very unique uh, space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of things you could, you could t- talk about him and call him, but a few that come to mind for me is, like I said, he is an un- he's an honorable man. He is an upstanding guy. He is someone mm-hmm. who, to know him is to love him, to mm-hmm. be intrigued by him and what mm-hmm. he has to say. He is a keynote speaker. He is someone who works to show individuals just like you and like me mm-hmm. how we are unique and mm-hmm. how that uniqueness that we have is important and affirmed. Mm-hmm. And at our core is that we, who we are, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, along with all those things, he is a published author. Thanks to this book right here between mm-hmm. us, Be Confident. Uh, and it's something I want to talk to him about today. But uh, yeah, if you would, just welcome my guest today, Rocky Garza. My guy. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out and joining yeah, us. Absolutely. So, like I said, I know you a little bit. Uh, I know you probably better than other people outside of uh, our sphere know you. Sure, but sure. for those that don't, just give a little bit of background about who you are, what yeah. you do, yeah. where you come from, and uh, just a few fun yeah. facts about yeah. you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, yeah. in the last few days, have answered that question uh, a lot, which is uh, interesting uh, to me because I think early on in my career, I used to share my story as like the first five or 10 or 15 minutes into any event or keynote or workshop that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think for a long time, I felt like it was the only thing that made me credible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a period of time where I've now that I, I don't feel the need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But also there's like a small part of me that's like, I kind of miss, I kind of miss <laughs> using that as like, yeah. this. so I, I appreciate the question. Yeah. I, um, yeah, so so now I uh, I live in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm married. I've been married for almost 13 years. Nice. Um, I have two kids, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, a six-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. Um, I spend about 50% of my working time or so uh, working with organizations in a space of going, hey, uh, where are we at? What do we do? Um, how do we help build something? Uh, for me, uh, Croft and Frost is one of the main places I spend a majority of my time and mm-hmm. working with our team here and what that looks like. Um, I think I spent, like you said, it's been a part of my time keynote speaking, a part of my time coaching, but really all of that came from, uh, I, I grew up a lot, uh, I just moved a lot growing up. Um, moved to a lot of schools, uh, and I think in that process, learned very early on that if I could outthink you, outtalk you, outwit you, outshmooze you, I learned a way to use my voice, um, I think ultimately as a protection mechanism. Uh, I, I was always moving schools, I needed a way to make friends and so on, and so I think as I've gotten older, I graduated college, I went and worked at a summer camp for about four years full-time, um, I was a pastor at a church uh, for about four years full-time, uh, and then my wife and I, of all things, started a wedding photography business, because that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, um, of course. And uh, so we did that for about five years, and then I started this business about seven years ago, and so really, you know, to kind of take all of that and s- condense it down to say, how did I land here today with you, yeah. um, really, I think, if I go back and look at my life experience and then I marry that with um, what you know, eight years of full-time ministry, which I now just define in my life as like a period like just deeply caring for people, mm-hmm. uh, and then put 10 years of entrepreneurship on that and roll all those things together, 
that's kind of what I do now. Yeah. Uh, the way in which we talk about that, whether that's consulting or coaching yeah. or speaking or workshops or whatever it is, um, really at the heart of it, I think that's that's my goal and my desire. I spent a, I spent a large portion of my life um, wanting or feeling the need to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out, thankfully, earlier than later, I don't want to be the hero. Um, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but I think for me, now I'm 38 and going, I. I care about what I care about. I care about my family and I care about my friends and my relationships. And so I know that in order to foster those things and do those things well, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to do something different than what I experienced in order to create deep and meaningful relationships with people personally or professional. And so, um, so yeah, I think I kind of take that take that journey and roll all that up, and then you find yourself. You know, they say wisdom is the marriage of knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't know how wise I am, but I know <laughs> I have a lot of experience and maybe not too much knowledge. So I'm hoping yeah. one will counter for the other. But <laughs> that's kind of how I ended ended up where I am and where I am now. Oh, that's awesome, man. It sounds yeah. like you're you're not busy at all. It sounds no, like you're just yeah, got, yeah, sitting just, back yeah, with your feet kicked yeah, up. Yeah, just hanging out, relaxing yeah. all the time. It's yeah, fine. exactly. Yeah. Just with, you know, like a nice drink in your hand. And yeah. just, just hanging out and watching everything pass by. That's, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. Cool. So uh, you mentioned just a minute ago how you kind of found yourself in this unique space where you get to use your voice uh, and, and almost make a career out of that. And I want to talk about mm-hmm. that in a little bit for sure. But the first thing I want to talk about is this book right here, yeah. Be Confident, A Pocket Guide to Building Conviction and Killing Doubt. Yeah. A few questions come to mind uh, about it, but personally, after I read it, and by the way, I recommend anybody that's listening to this, watching it, to go and pick this up. It's a great read. It's a short read. It's not going to take you any time at all to read mm-hmm. it, but it's something that if you take with you and you really apply to your life and try to intentionally uh, look at your own life through the lens of this book, mm-hmm. you'll really get a lot of it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it really interesting because, like I said, I know you. I- I've known you for a little over a year now. and so. I've heard a lot of the different stories about your life and who you are and where you come from, but mm. I was really impressed and really intrigued by the level of intimacy and mm. the level of, pers- of personal stories that you gave in this book. Because, mm. you know, people can look you up online, they can find uh, kind of a, a good idea of what you do and, and the message that you preach, mm. but it's different to hear the message that you preach just on, you know, on a, on a summary online mm. and it's, than it is to hear your personal stories straight from your mouth. Mm. So, with all that being said, mm. what inspired you and mm. what drove you to want to do this? Because yeah. everything in here, I mean, you could very well just say in a YouTube video and put yeah. it out there, but yeah. it's different when it's written and yeah. it's, it's, yeah. It's, in a, it's in a book, you know? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. I do know, it's very different. <laughs> uh, a YouTube video is kind of my jam, this yeah. was not so much my jam. Um, yeah, I think, I think for me, now that it's done, okay, yeah. I couldn't have told you this while mm-hmm. I was in the middle of it, yeah. so well, will you say hindsight here? Yeah. Now that it's done, the, the, uh, I wrote the book for me. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not that I don't want you to read it, or it's not that I don't yeah. want you to buy it. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, those things are all yeah. great. Uh, I, I believe I have perpetually in my life for a very long time uh, been the person who can go from, take something from negative 10, meaning it's not even a concept yet, mm-hmm. and drive it hard to about 87% complete. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the effort and the speed that I believe I've been able to do things like that, when I get to 87, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's good enough. Yeah. Like, it's working. Yeah. That's, I'm, on, I'm, I'm back in negative 10 again on something yeah. else. Yeah. And I think as I've gotten older, as I've been married longer, as my kids are getting older, it's like, well, what, uh, the, the getting to the 87% has, definitely has a value. Mm-hmm. Being able to fully close the loop, though, mm-hmm. there is something about that that I have not yet really experienced or done that I think 
I think is gonna be paramount to my life. Mm -hmm. And so really for me, writing the book was like something I started mid-pandemic, I'm, yeah. like, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And then it got drawn out and got drawn out and got drawn out. I mean, it didn't get drawn out because writing a book takes that long. Yeah. Actually writing the book doesn't take that long. Yeah. It got drawn out because of the mental game I played with yeah. myself for nine, 12 months. Yeah. Like, I'd be in the right spot in the right place mm -hmm. and just quiet at the right time and nobody can bother me, but I have kids, but we're in a pandemic, but I can't yeah. go someplace, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, and then I would be like, you know what? I'd, I, would, I would get past the, the mental, it'd be four months, I'd get past the mental hump and I'd tell my wife, I said, I'm gonna stay up tonight, I'm gonna write, and then I'd write three chapters in one night. It's like, did I just write three chapters in two yeah. and a half hours? And I've, yeah. been, I've been balking at this for nine months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the inspiration of the book was, I need I needed, I needed to get something out, because as much as I value mm -hmm. this, probably more than anything in my life, that's not human related, mm -hmm. relationship related, the, the ability to have a face-to-face one-on-one, one-on-four communication opportunity with a human being is probably the thing that I love and value most. It was really hard for me to get to a place to trust that I had anything valuable enough to say that was gonna go on pages, that I was gonna try to give to somebody else, that I couldn't give a disclaimer or context or support or that you were just gonna take it. The scariest thing about it is that somebody has a book in their hand and they're reading it right now and I have no control over what's happening. Yeah. And that part's really hard. Yeah. That part's, I think it's the yeah. scariest part. Because you can't, you can't respond to that Nothing. situation. Nothing. Yeah. They, re they read it how yeah. they want to read it. Like yeah. The fact that you're like, oh, yeah. you shared really intimate stories. You're not the only person that said yeah. that to me. To yeah. me, I'm like, I just put everything. Yeah. I've, I've said all those things a million times. <laughs> it's not, you know? but, but I think, yeah. the, okay, so it's yeah. like, oh, it's so re relieving that it's, anyway, it's relieving that people are experiencing it that yeah. way. All that to say, I think I was inspired uh, to write it because I needed to write it, mm -hmm. because I needed to show myself that I could close the loop. And I mm -hmm. think from there now, we're working on our second book right now, uh, and it's so simple now. Mm -hmm. Like, now I know that I can, it doesn't feel overwhelming, I've got the right team, it's got, so ultimately I would love to say I wrote the book for you, I'd love yeah. to say I wrote the book for you, I'd love to say I wrote it because I really want you to be inspired. You didn't inspired. write it for so, me? Um, oh, sorry, I did not. Uh, <laughs> but I think to be able to go, no, I wrote it, Ultimately, like I think now, like yeah. I said, I wrote it for me yeah. to show that I could. Yeah. Um, and and now now it has I think it has a, has had a compound effect on yeah. so many other places. And I think something about the book that's really cool is like you can tell not in a selfish way necessarily or in a, in a in a with bad intent, but you did write for yourself almost to the sense where it was. I'm sure it was like therapeutic for you in some senses. Yeah. Uh, but the way it's written, it it's it's not necessarily just you throwing all your thoughts onto pages onto pages and being like, okay, here you take it and read it. You almost invite the reader to try to take a step in your shoes and try to try to jump into your world for a minute and and look into the issues and the questions that you ask yourself mm. often. It's not just you know, there's there's tons of books out there where people just put their thoughts on paper and hope that yeah. you'll you'll get something yeah. out of it. But it's more than that. It's it's you inviting the reader to say, hey, take just a minute, take 20 minutes to read one chapter, two, however long you want to, right. how many how many right. words and pages you want to read, and you're inviting them into into your space and to try to take the stories and the questions that you ask and apply it to their own yeah. life. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, something you mentioned is like you said, you start you either started this or were writing a good mm -hmm. portion of it during the pandemic. And you know, like you said, you've got a family, you've got a job, you've got lots of relationships and a lot of different things that are pulling you in different directions, as well as the fact that you were writing it in the middle of 2020, which we know was a very interesting year to say the mm -hmm. least. Were there, were there times where you had, you know, like writer's block or anything like that to where you, you, you maybe told yourself, I'm not an author, what am mm -hmm. I doing? Like, I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't need to be doing mm -hmm. this. And mm -hmm. if so, how, did you, how were you able to overcome that? Yeah. And what drove you to be able to? Yeah, so I don't, know that I, ever, I don't know that I ever had moments what I would consider that, I, that the, the, 
writer's block in the sense of like what I think we see in TV or movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I think there, and there's not there's anything wrong with that, but I don't think I ever had that moment or didn't ever have that experience. I do think what I what I did experience was uh, like the mental block to get myself so that I could start writing. Mm-hmm. Once I got to that place, yeah. the writing was easy. Yeah. Now, uh, and that's because I didn't type it. Yeah. I just spoke it. Oh yeah. So like for me, uh, I would uh, I would like open the uh, open a document where I was writing it uh, on a on a Mac computer. If you hit the function key twice, it mm-hmm. opens the dictation yeah. tool, and then I would just start talking, yeah. and then it would type it all out for me because yeah. I, I don't like typing. Yeah. I type slow, yeah. and I definitely am not writing it. So, <laughs> but I think that would that happen? One thing I learned in that process yeah. was like when I did that. Um, it would it would go 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 and it made the editing process way harder mm-hmm. because I was just saying whatever I wanted to yeah. say and it really was so yeah. uh, but so the the writer's block thing I don't think is something I experienced. I will say uh, the the thought of uh, is it going to matter? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the question I ask myself the most. Like I'm gonna do it, yada yada yada. You gotta pay for this. You gotta pay for that, and then it's gonna be done. And then like, is it gonna matter? Mm-hmm. Like, is anybody going to read it? Yeah. Is anyone going to buy it? Yeah. Is anyone going to read it if I give it away? Mm-hmm. Like what? Is there a rhyme or a reason I'm even doing this? Yeah. How, I think that is the question I feel like over and over and over I would find myself asking mm-hmm. is, does it matter? Is it going to matter? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there anything about this that in any way, shape, or form feels like it's supposed to happen or could happen or should, I don't know. So, and, and I think that really, to me, translates into a lot of other areas mm-hmm. because I think then you, I ask myself the same thing other places. Like, mm-hmm. if you're at work, does this meeting, is it gonna matter? Is yeah. it supposed to matter? I wanna coach this person, does that matter? I'm gonna go speak on the stage, does that matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for me, if I could get myself to a place to recognize uh, that if I believed in it, then it mattered, then I should do it. And if I'm doing it solely for the fact that I need somebody else to tell me that it matters, mm-hmm. maybe it's not the best idea. Yeah, yeah and like what you're saying, you know, it, what you know, call it what you want, not not necessarily writer's block, but that mental block of of why am I even doing this? Mm-hmm. Like what. Is anybody gonna is anybody gonna uh, read this or listen to this or, or whatever? Like, what's the purpose of me writing this? Is, is am I wasting my time doing mm-hmm. this? Uh, you talk about something very similar to that in chapter four of this book, where you talk about the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've you've mentioned this before, but oftentimes uh, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and the stories that we hear from other people they influence our decisions and our thought processes so much because mm-hmm. I, in my life, you know, I value what other people think about me and what mm-hmm. other people say about me because mm-hmm. I want to represent myself as mm-hmm. someone who people want to be around and mm-hmm. who people view as someone who is a good, decent person. Mm-hmm. And so I value the input of others, but oftentimes mm-hmm. these stories, even if they have the best of intent, they can affect us in not the best ways. It reminded me of something uh, that I talked about, well, not necessarily me, but we learned a lot about in school uh, is this concept of loss aversion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you if you were to win $100, mm-hmm. winning $100 does not feel as good as losing $100 feels bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like yep. it, it always feels worse to lose that amount than it does to win that amount. And in the same sense, you know, uh, a lot of the things like over my, when I look at my life and the, the people that I've met and mm-hmm. the stories that I've been told, I, I realize that I'm really my own worst critic. 100%. Like, even if someone says, Daniel, you're doing so good, but then that somebody else comes over and says, no, you're not really doing that good. That's right. I'm gonna forget what the person that just told me that right. I'm doing good, I'm gonna forget all that because somebody just said I'm not doing very yep. good at whatever yep. I'm trying to do. And it's the same concept as, yep. uh, you know, like loss aversion. Yep. Uh, do you care just to speak to that a little yep. bit? Because I think that's something that a lot of people, I, I would imagine, experience all the time yep. because, like I said, we all care about the things that uh, the things that other people think about us and the stories that we're told. But how can we go about kind of 
bursting out of this bubble where yeah. we don't allow the good things told to us to actually manifest yeah. and make an impact in yeah. our lives. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great question. Like I, I, th- I think for a lot of us, I think it's, I think it's cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a part of our upbringing in regards of how we were brought up. I think in the context of where we live, how we live, there's this consistent drive that life should be forward and upward only, everywhere. It's, it's in everything, right? And so you can get out your little graph, and you're like, okay, forward, upward, and life, it should be a very straight line, mm-hmm. and as, as forward and upward as you can get at the same time. Like 45 is no longer good, yeah. right? Like we're, we're going for like 87 yeah. degrees here. We're looking forward and yeah. upward. Like, yeah. And life never does that. Yeah. Oh, I don't think we do that. Growth doesn't happen that way, right? So I, I think in that sense, we have this external pressure, whether it's from a human being directly in our life or not, mm-hmm. of forward and upward, forward and upward, forward and upward. And so what that causes is, is the only way to go forward and upward is to think that what is very good is standard and what is very bad must be changed. Mm-hmm. And so we very rarely take what is really good and view it as really good. We view it as standard or just below expectation mm-hmm. because very good is not gonna allow us to go forward and upward mm-hmm. fast enough. Yeah. And so you get in these scenarios where I, I work with strengths a lot with individuals and I always tell folks like, here, here are your top five strengths. This assessment is going to give you your top five. If you pay an extra $30, it'll give you all 34 options in order and it'll show you your bottom five. Mm-hmm. I said, if you can't look at your bottom five without immediately wondering how you can improve those, it's a waste of money and don't look at them. Mm-hmm. Because you're never going to take something that you are inherently made a design intrinsically bad at and ever be great at, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can be, you can take something you're terrible at and become mediocre at it. But it, then all of that energy you spent was wasted because you never took the five things you were fantastic at and actually owned those things. Mm-hmm. But if the five, one, if I don't know what these five are, then you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do whatever that person says I should do. Yeah. If I don't know what these five are, I'm gonna do whatever you told me I was supposed to be doing. And so, one, I think it starts with the level of self-awareness. You wanna burst out of the bubble? Stop listening to what everybody else is telling you and do the work required to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm when you know what those things are. You've given them a language, you have some sort of words to figure out this is what kind of a marker of my identity. Mm-hmm. Then you've gotta be willing to double down on the things that you are great at and know that you're not missing out on the fact that you weren't good at something else because somebody else is great at it. Like, we don't, let's go back to your analogy of $100. Yeah. If somebody was trying to constantly steal our 100 bucks because they had no money, mm-hmm. we would be mad. Yeah. But if everybody took their $100 and invested it well, we'd all have a million. Yeah. And so. How, is, like, how do we want to spend our mm-hmm. time, even as a person, how do we want to spend our time? Mm-hmm. What do we want to do with that? And, and even at, like you using, using the example of like your five strengths, I think oftentimes like if you pulled any person on the street and said, hey, are you good at anything? Like they would say, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's something. Like they may not have it off the top of their head, but like they could think of something, yeah. you know? But oftentimes I think there's this, there's this idea that if we at the very least recognize what we're good at or what we bring to the table. Right. It's somehow selfish or yeah. not allowed or yeah. like, oh, we, should, we shouldn't talk, like we should make sure that we address you know, what we need to improve upon first. Right. And those are important. We do need to look in the mirror and say, what can I do better? How yeah. can I be better today than I was yesterday? But just as important in my mind is from a healthy standpoint assessing, hey, you know what, that thing I did yesterday, that was good. Yep. And, and I've, I've improved in that aspect of my life. You know, uh, there's, there's all kinds of different avenues, but uh, something that like I see all the time is people trying to trying to figure out a better uh, a better health standpoint for like yep. just physical health. You know, yep. they're like, okay, I don't like the way I feel right now, and I want to be better. Well, give yourself a little bit of credit. Like, hey, you could be a lot worse, and maybe you know, you never know. You may be the the best runner out in the world if you yep. if you never step out there and give yourself the chance to yep. find that out. You may never know. But people focus so much on 
well, I'm not great at this. I, yeah. I, I have I have too much baggage in this in this area of my life yep. to where we can't ever assess what we actually do bring to the table and what we're good at. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the the way that it makes sense is um, we tend to um, believe, for some odd reason, and I'm I am uh, guilty number one. <laughs> that's like I think, I think working out is a great example. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna start I'm gonna start working out. Yeah. I'm gonna work out again, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this every day. Mm-hmm. And then we do it for five days, we feel great. Yeah. And then on the sixth day, I'll use my life as an example. Yeah. Sixth day, my kid's sick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, well I didn't have, I literally couldn't make it, couldn't go work out because yeah. I was taking care of a sick kid all day. Yeah. And then so then on day seven, I go, oh man. And here's what we say, I guess I'm gonna have to start over. Mm-hmm. And for me, one thing that's like been really uh, beneficial in my life is to go like, wait a second. Yeah. Who said you have to start over? What are you starting over? Mm-hmm. You worked out five days in a row. Yeah. Day six, Kid was sick. So aren't day seven, aren't you just going to continue? Mm-hmm. And I think as uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of words, mm-hmm. but I think how much different would my life be in that one area mm-hmm. if every time for whatever reason, mm-hmm. good, bad, and different, on my streak of X that mm-hmm. I was doing, mm-hmm. when I missed a day, I woke up the next day and said, I'm just gonna continue doing what I have been doing mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, I guess now I have to restart because I have ultimately failed. Yeah. And nothing about that day changes. You either work out or you don't. Yeah. How I perceive that though, and then how I talk to myself about that and what I do with that is wildly different. Mm-hmm. And so we like me and a group of friends, we talk about it all the time. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, well, uh, tomorrow I'm just gonna continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like, I love that. Yeah. Because there's so much, you said earlier, it's like, yeah. there's so much grace in that. There's mm-hmm. so much freedom in that. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea that grace means a free pass to not be accountable. Mm-hmm. That's not what, yeah. that's not what it, that's yeah. not what it is. Yeah. Grace is the ability to go, I understand that life occurs and ultimately accountability is being reminded of what you want. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's a lot of grace and accountability. Mm-hmm. I know what you want. Yesterday is not what you wanted, is yeah. it? No, it's not what you wanted. Do you feel like you're equipped to do what you want to do today? Yes. Bam, let's go. Yeah, now you know what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. like and you've got that fire underneath and, and, and you say, and okay, it, I'm going to do and it. And then what happens if you don't do it four or five or six or 10 or 20 days in a row, yeah. you know what you tell me? I can tell you don't want to do that. Yeah. Which means our accountability can continue. Because I can go, hey, do you want to do that? Because you haven't done it in 20 days. And then at some point you're going to have to say, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Wonderful. Stop. Yeah. Stop doing that. We need to do something different. Yeah. And, and so I think... We, we tend to get caught in this idea that like, we gotta fix it, we gotta make it better, we gotta change, mm-hmm. it's gotta be forward and upward, we gotta, what are we gonna do? And I gotta start over and it's not gonna, mm-hmm. you just wake up yeah. today. Keep doing what you're doing. Continue doing today what you set out to do yesterday. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, using that example of like exercising and, and working out, I was, I remember I, I was talking to somebody one time and not that I'm some, you know, physical freak or personal trainer by any means, but they were talking to me and they were like, yeah, I had been working out for you know like a month or so, and this week some stuff came up, and I just I, I feel like I kind of fell off the wagon and whatnot. Yeah. And they, and I was like, I, I feel like I've just lost all my progress. And I looked at them, I said, Well, imagine where you'd be today if you didn't work out yep. all those days prior. Like yep. maybe today isn't where you hope to be. Yep. But you'd be a lot more upset at yourself if you never started to begin. 100%. With. And I remember looking at them, they were they kind of it it went off in their head. They were like, Oh, you're right. And I was like. Maybe for once I am right. Yeah, you know? it's like, yeah, yeah. like you, you said it, not me. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I am right. But you know, it's like we 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 are so quick to beat ourselves up. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't go to the gym. Oh my gosh, I didn't. I, I ate a donut in the in the yep. in the break room. Yep. It's like, well, give yourself yeah. a little bit of grace. Yeah, I think, like, I think we, we we tend uh, many of us tend to talk about our life through the context 
of checking to see if we didn't do the things we shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. The most successful people I know, and I'm not talking just about financially, I'm talking about who have a life that they deep, deep conviction they really believe in, is because they wake up every day to make sure they do the things they want to do. Yeah. And I, again, it's a words, it's a words thing, mm -hmm. but those words matter. Mm -hmm. Because if you wake up every day to make sure you're gonna do the things you want to do, you don't spend very much time asking yourself, what do I have to do today to not do the things I shouldn't? Those are two very different lives. Yeah, and, and, and I think regarding success in whatever facet of life, sure. a key to it, and I know it's been said before, but understanding it is the key, is, is just consistency. Yep. Because no, if, if your goal is to Lose a lose a hundred pounds. It's not going to happen in one day. Yep. It's not going to. And 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 you know, in all likelihood, it's going to take a lot of time. But yep. what is going to make that happen is making the small changes every day. Yep. If you're consistent with it, you're. It's okay if you yep. if you fall off the wagon every now and then. Yep. But if you're consistent, if you say, "Hey, I'm going to work out four days a week for the for the whole year," and you do that, it's yep. like you know what? Maybe yep. there were ups and downs, but you were consistent with yep. it. And that consistency is going to pay you so many more yep. dividends in the future than any miracle, whatever you want to That's apply right. to your life in, right. in any facet of life, whether That's it's right. your health, your finances, your, your relationships, whatever, yeah. that well, consistency is going to be so much better. And I think that, to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do consistency plus, mm -hmm. okay? We'll, do a, we'll get an equation down together. Uh, consistency plus proactivity and discipline. Mm -hmm. Because every person is already consistent. Every human being on earth is consistent. Yeah. Yeah. They do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Where growth happens is that we make a little tweak. Mm -hmm. right? Uh, what am I going to do today different than I did yesterday if I want a different result tomorrow? Yeah. If, I, if where I'm at now and I want this tomorrow, I should, do, I should be yeah, consistent. Keep going. I am consistent. Yeah. I, will do, I will do this mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. It's building those disciplines and it's building the, the, ha the habit. It's building the traction in order to mm -hmm. my con the things that I become consistent about are the things that are driving effective mm -hmm. change. Yeah. And I think that's a piece that we, uh, I am guilty of, of going like, yeah, wait, I just need to be more consistent. And there's moments I step back and I go, I'm very consistent. Mm -hmm. I'm just consistently not doing the things I want to be yeah. doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think yeah. it's I th again. It, it goes back to kind of your kind of your question before with strengths or understanding when people say, "Do you know what you're good at?" or whatever. There has to be a level of awareness that we get. Most of us, me too, get so wrapped up in the in the speed and the busyness mm -hmm. that we don't ever pause long enough. We talked about it in chapter one, space mm -hmm. and great. We we don't ever pause long enough yeah. to create enough space to go whoa 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 right like. What is actually true? Like we, we, yeah. we just got done with our, our event here, yeah. the Onward Experience yeah. uh, recently, um, which, uh, shout out Onward Experience 2023. We'd love to see you there. And so uh, in that, like the number one thing that I taught, as I talked to, I talked to almost every attendee at some point mm -hmm. in the last couple of days, and almost every one of them said the exact same thing. I've never been to a conference that forced me to ask myself so many questions and I had people on the stage who were raw and vulnerable about who they were and what was going on and how they got there. I don't care who gets on stage and talks. Mm -hmm. I don't care who we can bring in or pay for or don't pay for. I don't, if we can do that over and over and over again, that is to me a replication of what I think every individual needs to begin to understand how to create in their life for themselves is where are those pockets. It didn't have to be an hour a day. Yeah. It didn't have to be 30 minutes a day. Where's the 10 minute period of day where you're not, you're just gonna go take a deep breath, 
We're gonna have enough space to see what is true, not good or bad, just what is, mm-hmm. and then in order for us to be able to make that kind of assessment. And I think for a lot of us, we miss that and we go so fast. Mm-hmm. We are just consistently mm-hmm. behind. How often have we heard someone say that? Oh, yeah. I'm just consistently behind. Yeah. Uh, no, you are just consistent. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good place to start like recognizing that, you know what, actually I am pretty consistent. That's a good foundation to build upon mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people, they look at their lives and they're like, I'm just, I'm just a wreck. Like, I can't do anything right. Everything I touch just turns to turns to ash. Like, it just it just burns yeah. up. Like, I can't do anything right. It's like, well, no, you're pretty, maybe it's not in the yeah, best you way. Are, you are actually pretty good at ruining everything. Yeah, That's, so, yeah, so it's like, yeah. you know that if you direct your efforts in the right area, you'll be consistent with it. In all likelihood, yep. you'll you'll get what you hope for or get pretty yep. darn close to whatever you're hoping for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, James, James Clear says in Atomic Habits, um, in the, the book, The Compound Effect, it's a very similar type book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uses an example. He's like, I, somebody wants to work out. He was like, I tell him for the first month, uh, get up every morning, put on your workout clothes, drive to the gym, get out of the car, touch the front door, get back in your car and drive home. Yeah. And I tell people to do that for the first month. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, why? I'm not gonna work out. Mm-hmm. He's like, correct. You're not working out as it is. Yeah. You have to become the kind of person who gets up every morning to mm-hmm. go work out no matter what. Yeah. So I need you to just to get up and go to the gym yeah. and then go home. Yeah. And then the next month I want you to get up and I want you to go to the gym and I want you to walk around the gym three times and then I want you to go home. Because then you, then you can become a person not only goes to the gym, but you're a person who goes to the gym and stays inside for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I know it sounds crazy. The yeah. average person is like, oh, I should just go and work yeah. out for an hour. Yeah. He was like, you haven't worked out in five years. Yeah. You're going to go to the gym for the first time and work out yeah. an hour every day for five days. And be sore for two and a half no, weeks right. after that. No, you're not. You're not going to be able to walk. You know what yeah. I mean? It's going to hurt to sit down. Yeah. And I think that that model to me is vi- like it's such a simple way to look at so many things in our life. Mm-hmm. So you go, hey, in order for me to be a dad mm-hmm. who is really intentional with my kids, and thoughtful and ask questions when we turn to the table, all the things we want to say that are the parts of good and sexy about being a parent and you're such a great yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts by asking myself, what is the first simplest action I can take as a parent to put myself in the presence of my kid? Mm-hmm. It probably starts to go, what is the biggest distraction between me and my kid? Mm-hmm. Probably my phone, yeah. maybe my watch. So when I come home, where do I put my phone? Where's it gonna go? What, what are you gonna do after that? Nothing, I'm gonna do everything I've been doing, but I'm just gonna put my phone away. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of going in and just touching the door of the gym. Mm-hmm. We've got, in, in every aspect of our life, we have to identify, right? What, what is that thing? It's, you're, in your, you're in your computer and you've got five windows open. It's a bad idea. You're already distracted. What's the most important? We could ride on that train. We could ride on that long time, but. Yeah. You were talking about that example of like, oh, I wanna go to the gym. I just, I'm just gonna go work out for an hour, hour and a half. It's like, maybe a better idea is taking it slow. Uh, it, it, it reminds me of this thing my mom always used to tell me, shout out to my mom, I hope you're listening. Uh, but she would always, like if, if something came up in my life, like when I was younger, if it was like a, a school assignment, I was like, oh, I don't wanna do it. She'd look at me and she'd say, Daniel, how do you eat an elephant? I'd be like, well, I don't particularly wanna eat an elephant. Yeah. I don't know, I was like, and then she'd say, you eat it one piece at a time. Yep. Cause it's a big, it's a big old, big monstrous looking thing. But if you're yeah. gonna eat it, you gotta do it one small piece at a time. And I was yeah. like, at the time, I was like, yeah, I'm like, Mom, could it I not s- have been like a cow? Yeah, or something? Like, like I a still st- don't want elephants. And I was like, okay, that's great, but I don't want to eat like you know medium rare elephant. I don't yeah, particularly yeah. want to do that. But like the older I've gotten, I was like, it makes sense. Yep. You know, if if you want to be the person that goes to the gym every single day, then take it slow. Take yep. that take that elephant in your life and eat it one bite at a time. Yep. Go there and show up and yep. just just look at the gym. Hundred percent. And and be the person that shows up and then be the person that actively takes part. And yep. then you know, compounding compounding your efforts beyond that is going to build so much more. Uh, structure and so much more uh, just just happiness in your yep. life yep. overall instead of just crashing into things at 100 miles an hour 
uh, it, it really takes the momentum of your life and shifts it from going this direction to going slowly but surely in this direction, yep. uh, in, in the direction that we yep. want to go. So, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so something I touched on earlier, and you briefly had spoken about, is how you personally have found yourself in this unique position where you're able to use your voice and the words that you say mm. uh, as, as a way to influence other people and to also use it as a, a viable career path uh, for you. And I think that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people, one of the biggest fears for some people is, is public speaking mm-hmm. uh, and maybe just speaking in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be public mm-hmm. speaking, but uh, I, I think it's very interesting how you found yourself in this unique position. For someone who may be listening, I, I, they may look at you and say, oh, Rocky, he's, he's so, like, look at him. He gets to talk for all these people and he gets to go on these shows and he gets to say all these cool things like, I don't. I would love to do something like that, but mm. I have no clue where to start. Like mm. nobody wants to listen to me. Like mm. what do I? What do I have to say? Mm-hmm. What What would you say to that person? Mm-hmm. Because I remember you spoke. You told this to me directly. One of the first times I ever met you, I asked that something's very similar to you, and I and and you told me you said if you want to speak, then speak, do it. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, what? In what? In, what do you mean? Like it, where? Yeah. Like where? But okay, but I'm I can speak, but where? You know? Yeah. Uh, but that stuck with me, mm. and 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 just. Yeah, expand yeah. upon that a little bit. Well, I'm glad it stuck with you because that's yeah. what I was about to tell you. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. So, as I have spent a lot of time in front of people, speaking, talking, consulting, workshops, so on, I think one of people's greatest fear, why they say public speaking is my biggest fear, is not the act of speaking itself. I think it is a. I think public speaking tends to be a fear uh, because there is a fear of being seen. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't say that like. They can't see me. Yeah. I say in order to get on stage, any size, of in front of 10 or in front of 10,000, mm-hmm. you are exposing yourself to being seen. And if you do it often, mm-hmm. you're going to expose yourself over and over and over to being seen because if you have a message and then your life is not represent that message, then all of a sudden you're a hypocrite and also we can work on something on the hill. So I think, yeah. I don't think it's, I think the nervousness is, is because I'm going to talk and then it's the questions you said after that. Are they listening? Does it matter? Does anybody care? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think growing up, like it didn't really matter if you were gonna listen or if you cared. Uh, it was one, a defense mechanism mm-hmm. to, to like create a quick connection with you mm-hmm. so that I couldn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the person out there who's going, hey, I have something I wanna say, I think I have something I wanna say, but where do I say it and how do I do it? Uh, is anyone gonna listen? Is anyone, uh, I have found, at least the people in my life have the most influence, who have the greatest things to say, are not saying them to me because they wanna know how I'm going to react. They're saying them because they can't spend any more time not saying them. Uh, and, and I know, and, and again, it kind of goes back to your point, not about being a narcissist, it's not about being selfish, it's not about being like, I think I'm so awesome, I'll say it for me and don't worry about you. Yeah. It's not, if that's what you heard, that's, you're, not, you're, not, you're not listening to me. What I'm saying is, there's something intrinsic that I believe I have to share. And I'm sharing it because I don't know how not to. I think everybody has something like that inside. But I think because there's stages, because there's YouTube shows, because there's podcasts, because there's, we all feel this need to share it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Me crafting my message is not because someone put me on a stage at 10X. Mm-hmm. Me crafting my message is because it started when I was in first grade talking to somebody who I just met and I was gonna be in school there for three months and I was gonna move again. And at six years old, I was trying to figure out how to make a new friend every four months. Mm-hmm. That you don't, that's, I didn't have anything to say because I wanted you to listen to me because so, I thought I was gonna be on a great podcast. Mm-hmm. I had something to say because if I didn't say it, I was afraid I was gonna get lost. That part of it, I, I, I don't know how to coach somebody and I don't know how to teach somebody in that. But I can tell you now, I'm also really not that interested in getting on stage and speaking for the purpose of speaking. 
like I'm only gonna get on stage and speak if I feel like there's a, an audience that has a, at least captive enough that they're in a position that they do wanna do something different with their life. Mm-hmm. I have no answers for you. Mm-hmm. I have nothing, I have no solutions. I'm not gonna solve your problems. I'm gonna go home and see my wife and kids and I'm probably not gonna think about that experience again. <laughs> I love you very much, but I'm probably not going to. That's just how my brain works, right? Yeah. But for somebody who has something inside of them, some of that, that thing in their gut that they're like, I gotta get out. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get it out because you think somebody else needs to have it, you're never gonna be satisfied. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to get it out because it just needs to, you just gotta get it out, mm-hmm. I almost could guarantee there will be consistent opportunities for that thing to be heard. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, it's cool you put it that way because it's, it's not like, you speaking is not just because you, you want people to hear you. It's just like you just like the sound of your own voice necessarily. It's, it's you said you have something inside you want to get out. And not everybody wants to be a public speaker or wants to be somebody up on stage. Just be like, not everybody wants to, not everybody needs to. Uh, but I would dare say, like most people have something inside them they want to get out in some form or fashion. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, for some people, like it's it's speaking. For some people, maybe it's it's art. Maybe they they love uh, bringing the things inside them and their experiences to life on a canvas. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's music. Maybe for some people, like you were talking about earlier, it's it's putting their thoughts onto onto pages and words. Yep. Um, and you even touched on that a little bit how it was it was less about, not that you hope someone reading it doesn't get something good out of it, but it was more about you getting your thoughts and experiences and feelings down on paper for your own sake. 100%. Uh, and I think that can be applied to whatever message or whatever thing you need to get out from inside yep. you. Yep. It, it's never good to keep these things bottled up. It's never good to keep yep. it, you know, keeping it bottled up and expanding like a balloon that's gonna yep. pop. Yep. Whatever avenue is best, whether it's speaking or writing or music or art or whatever you're, you're, right. you're, what you're good at and what you want to do, that's the avenue of getting your message out yep. and getting what you have to say and putting it out into the world. Yep. Well, I think one thing, you know, if you, if you look at, to go down those avenues, uh, if you look at music, if you look at art, uh, if, you, if you look at any sort of outlet, right, mm-hmm. well, well, the easy ones will say, you know, you know music, art, speaking, mm-hmm. writing, yeah. let's say. Yeah. Uh, now we could throw YouTube and podcasting yeah. and TikTok and we could throw a lot of things yeah. there, right? But so we'll <laughs> take those as an example. Yeah. In any of those areas or in any of those arenas, uh, the thing, the, al- the best-selling albums ever mm-hmm. were right after someone broke up with somebody. Mm-hmm. The best-selling albums ever were right after someone got a divorce, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. The best art ever was when someone, was, the artist was in, in deep turmoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speeches that are the most captivating are not the ones from the guy who said, I have been rich my whole life, I've never not been rich, I'm only getting more rich and mm-hmm. you should be rich too. Yeah. Nobody wants to listen to that person. Mm-hmm. The most captivating stories are one where we recognize and we have a similarity and an empathy for somebody else's pain, mm-hmm. and the pain in their life has been used to propel, got a lot of alliteration going on here, yeah. whereas the pain in somebody else's life is used to propel an internal purpose that I have and makes me believe that I can too. Mm-hmm. I've never been motivated by a really successful person getting up and talking about how successful they yeah. were. It's not endearing, yeah. it feels false. Even if everything they said was true, mm-hmm. it's not endearing. Now if that same person starts by saying, I was homeless for five years, I had $2 in my pocket, mm-hmm. right? If you know, I'm a huge fan of Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I, I, like, I can tell you you're the, going the with rock this. Set, right? And yeah. like, how many times have you been like, right? Yeah. right? Um, and so uh, even the name of his production company. Seven bucks. Right? Yeah. Seven bucks, yeah. Mike said seven bucks in his yeah. pocket. Yeah. That, that's endearing. Now the person out there, the man or woman out there, right? Yeah. The individual out there that has $7 in their pocket. Mm-hmm. I can do it too. Mm-hmm. If we believe that we have something to say, we're going to have to tap internally mm-hmm. to that pain mm-hmm. 
to that trauma, mm -hmm. to that place where there's been conflict in us. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to find a way to tap into that and leverage that as a way to connect with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because human beings are always going to connect in that way because we are empathetic, mm -hmm. irrational, emotional individuals. Mm -hmm. And our ability to connect with pain mm -hmm. makes us human. Yeah. The joy we get from being human is much harder to connect with mm -hmm. until we have experienced the other side. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I like the way you put it. Like getting these these things inside of us, getting out. It's not. Oftentimes, it requires us to tap into that emotion, whether mm -hmm. they, whether it's happy, whether it's it's sad, whether it's pain, whether it's joy. You have to kind of surround yourself in what you're feeling. You you can't just you know like I said, it's somebody who's been successful all their life going up there and say, hey, look how successful I've been. Cool, that's great, but yeah. that's not that doesn't that doesn't really do anything. Yeah, for there's me no way personally. there's no way for me to connect yeah. myself to your story. Yeah, but if someone is feeling a genuine emotion on the inside, whether it's you know good, bad, happy, sad, whatever, and they allow themselves to be in, you know engulfed by that and to say this is me and I want to get this out, that is so much more. Uh, it, it it just touches you so much more. It really yeah. does, and that's what all great art is. That's that's yeah. someone taking an experience in their life or something they deeply care about, whether it's good, bad, and ugly, whatever, and putting it out for the world to see. And they're saying, hey, this is me. This yeah. is something that I want to share. Yeah. This is something that I feel, you know, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. I need to get this out, yep. and I hope you enjoy it. That, that's, yep. that's at the core yep. of all this stuff, you know? Yep. Um, it reminds me of this story I heard a while back. I forget where it was, but it was like these these uh, these firefighters, and they were trying, they were uh, going to respond to a wildfire. And the wildfire was, a, was on the other side of, a, of a, like a creek, you know? Well, they were planning on going across the creek to, uh, to stop the fire, but the fire spread across the creek to where they were before they could. And so now in order to get away from the fire, they had to go up, up a big steep mountainside to get away. Well, the fire was going way too quick, like it was, it was coming too close to them. They, there was no way they could, out, out, they could outrun it. And so the only thing they could use is what was called an escape fire. It was literally creating a fire in front of them so that that land could be burnt, so they could then lay on that land that had already been burnt and everything around it would burn, but not the land that you're mm. sitting on. And I just I thought it was a cool analogy because it's like that's literally how we we get these emotions out. That's how we solve problems in our life. It's not mm. by you know closing our eyes and our ears and saying I'm I'm just gonna pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that somehow it gets fixed. It's embracing that escape fire. It's saying mm. you know what I'm gonna have to jump into the area that's been burnt. Mm. I'm gonna have to assess that. I'm gonna have to mm. say this is a damaged part of the land mm. that I'm gonna have to embrace for a moment. Yep. But if I embrace it. Yeah. Everything around me will get might get destroyed, and everything around me may not be around anymore. But I will be spared, and I will be better for it in the mm. end. And I, I, I thought that was really cool, and I think that's kind of what yeah. you're talking about here. Yeah. Is you have to embrace it. You, yeah. you cannot. You can't just simply outrun no. outrun the pain and the feelings. No, you it, have. Will, it will catch you. Yeah, it I mean, will catch the, you. The, the phrase we use in the book is like, in order to dress your wounds, you have to address your wounds. Yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. direct parallel to the your yeah. your, your story is actually better than my analogy. But <laughs> uh, it's I mean, it's it's a it's a direct tie, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. You're never going to stop bleeding until you stop long enough to look down and recognize that you're bleeding. And yeah. then after that, you're going to have to dress the wound that you now addressed. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to take a while for it to heal. Yeah. But it's never going to heal. And at some point, if the, if the wound is big enough, mm -hmm. you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to kill you. Yeah. At some point, the fire will catch you. Yeah. You can't outrun it. You can't outrun it. Yeah. So you either find a way to jump in head first mm -hmm. and address the wound so that it can be healed. Mm -hmm. No one's gonna tell you this is not gonna scar. Mm -hmm. It's going to scar, yeah. right? Like there's the same, a same story about every time a kid did something, the dad told him to go outside and put a nail in the, yeah. in the fence. Mm -hmm. And then he did that for a month every time he got in trouble or said yeah. something mean to his sister or something like that. Yeah. At the end of the month, he said, hey, I just want you to know that I forgive you and so the nails are gone. I'll go out there and take all the nails out of the fence. 
So he did, and then he said, but dad, the fence is not, I'm gonna fix the fence. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I took all the nails out, but there's still a bunch of holes in the fence. Mm -hmm. And the dad was like, exactly. It's, but you put a hole in the fence, Yeah. right? And so like, I think there's a part of that for us too. There's holes in the fence, and Mm -hmm. that doesn't make us bad. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that I, I think for me, I'm really, really passionate about at this point in my life is going, The, the idea that we wake up every day and go, I'm inherently bad and awful and I gotta find a way to be less awful so I can be okay. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. Yeah. That's yeah. not sustainable. Yeah. And, and like, you know, talking about the, like the holes in the fence or the scars that we, we have in our lives, like I think we often look at those and it's like, ah, oh, like I, I, I don't want people to know about this or how I got this or what it is, but we all have scars, physical, mental, emotional, like in any, yep. we all have them yep. in, in, in all different facets of our life. But accepting those scars for what they yep. are. They're not a bad thing inherently. Yep. They are proof that you went through that fire, that proverbial fire, uh, and you escaped out of it. They're the things that make us human, yeah. and they're the only things yeah. we have that allow us to connect to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, 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 uh, it's, it's really cool, because like I said, oftentimes I think people think or hope that getting out of a situation or improving whatever their life in some form or facet is going to be just hoping that it gets fixed, which I understand. I've been there. I'm not saying that I'm yep. always perfect. Like I get it. I do yep. that as well. Yep. But you have to address it. You know, yep. Like I said, to, to dress your wounds, you have to address your wounds. And, yep. and I think that's a, a really cool picture there. Yep. Uh, yep. Well, cool, man. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here in just a little bit. One more question for you yep. before we go. Yep. Come on. You said that you are from Dallas, Texas. All right. Yep. And I had the privilege, uh, I believe it was last year, to travel to Texas for the first time in my life. I got, okay. to, go to, I got to go to Dallas, got to go to Big Bend. Okay. Uh, I got to go to all different kinds of areas. My brother-in-law, he is from Texas, gave us the whole rundown of the state and everything. Texas is notorious for its food. Yeah. What is your favorite, Tex, specifically Texas, I'm not talking about like, an, like oh, I love Olive No, I don't want to yeah, know yeah. about Olive Garden. I don't want about Texas Roadhouse, yeah, yeah. nothing yeah, yeah. like that, even though it's got Texas in the name. Yeah. What is your number one Texas place that if you say, I've got one day to spend at home, I got to go eat somewhere, where are you going to go? Oh my gosh, why are you doing this to me? Um, okay. And Bucky's is an acceptable answer. Yeah, at this okay, point, yeah. okay. Well, they, in a very odd way, they do have pickled quail eggs, which oh. I'm just, just at I know Bucky's, you can do? judge me, but I'm don't judge me until you have one. I've never, listen, I'll try anything once. They are, so I'll, I'll do, do you like pickles? See, I do not like pickles. They don't actually. eat one. Okay, I mean, it's basically, but I'll try it though. It's I'll basically it. like a pickle. Yeah. But in the, I know it's yeah. weird. Uh, that's, not that's, not sake, that's not my choice. That's not my choice. That's not my Texas choice, though. If, don't. if I find one, I'll try it out for okay, you. Just okay, for okay, your, just okay. For, just for your recommendation. I mean, honestly, I'd have to say like it's not it's not like the fun, unique. There's a part of me that's like I want to find the most like there's a there's a restaurant in in our neighborhood. There's a few of them in Dallas called Gloria's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Tex-Mex restaurant. Mm-hmm. Tex, technically, it's a Tex Salvadorian restaurant, mm-hmm. but Tex-Mex restaurant. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, it's I, I have to pick that one because uh, there's one in our neighborhood. Uh, we go there very, way too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, our kids love it. Uh, we love it. And really just kind of kind of just has happened over the course of our life. It's the first place that my wife and I ever went on a date together. Um, it's the place we went to dinner before we got engaged. It's the place we went to dinner after we bought our first car. It's mm-hmm. the place we went to dinner after we bought our first house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the place we go when things are not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a place we go when uh, things are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a place that our kids go when we're all really tired and we just need glorious. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, are you want to cook? Yeah. And I'm the cook in our house. I'm like, I don't want to yeah. cook, and I would really like a margarita. Yeah, and so we should go to glorious. <laughs> and so uh, it's not, it's not the, it's yeah. not the like most niche. It's not the most fancy. It's not yeah. the most uh, off the wall hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is definitely a a staple mm-hmm. in our life and in our family. And if someone came to see me and we weren't trying to be fancy, we we're just going to have a little ex- Garza experience. Mm-hmm. Um, We'd go to Glorious. Yeah. No, trust me. I, I, it's like I said, I went to Texas not too long ago, and 
we one of the places we went to was Alpine, Texas, mm-hmm. about as far south as you yeah, can go yeah, before you hit Mexico. Yeah, been there. And I forget the name of the restaurant, but oh man, that food! It was some of the real good. I, I, I every now and then I'll be I'll be sitting yeah. somewhere and I'll be like, man, that food was good. Just out of nowhere, it's like, yeah. holy cow, that food was yeah. good. You know, yeah. Uh, that 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 authentic Tex-Mex is is yeah. no joke. So. Yeah. So if anybody's listening, if you're ever in there and you find if you see a little place called Gloria's, then per uh, Rocky's recommendation, I text me yeah. first. Yeah, I'll meet you yeah. there. Yeah, he'll meet you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, you can find any information for Rocky uh, down in the description of this episode, and I hope you'll tune in again next time. Thanks. Thank you.